Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. I'm excited to dive back into the Word with you because we are talking about our culture which we're calling the way of the world changer. Everybody just say that with me. The way of the world changer. Now say, I am a world changer. Look at your neighbor, say, you are a world changer. Now, if you believe that, just say, amen. Amen and amen. So we're gonna be talking about our fourth H that defines our culture. Do you guys remember the five H's? Anybody, anybody? Right, what's the first one? Holy, right, what's the second one? You guys know that one really well. Holy. What's number two? Humble. Number three? Hungry. We're hungry to do the work. How many of you guys were here last week? Not enough. We should break the statistic that the maximum amount of times you're allowed to go to church per month in the Bible Belt is two. (laughs) No one's saying amen. Sit the front row. I don't know. It's too early in the sermon, Lyle, to be like jabbing people like that. You can't do that. You're not even through the five H's yet. Um, number, number three, number three is uh, we're, we're hungry to do the work. And last week, uh, I gave a message called a theology for hard work. And to be honest, I didn't think it was that good. It was like, it was okay, I guess. You know, that's what I thought. And then this week, just through watching socials, I was like, that was a word from God. I was like, that's the last thing I would have tried to talk about, but I really see after this week, yep, that's what God wanted to say to our family. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, go to Spotify, podcasts, whatever, YouTube, uh, and please go back and watch that. I really think it will be a blessing and enrich you if you consider yourself to be a member of this church. I think it really will connect to something that's really important to us. And then fourthly, and this is what we're talking about today. Everybody say it with me. Honorable. Honorable. We're talking about honor today. And the last one is healthy. And my wife, uh, Pastor Allison, is going to be bringing the sermon next week on healthy. I know you guys are excited about that. Uh, We thought that was a good pastoral message, you know, for her to bring like healthy. It's going to be great. And then on Sunday night, next Sunday night, guys, we are doing an encounter night with Lindy Conant and the circuit riders. And that's going to be super fun. We have a lot of really cool things happening around here. There's going to be baptisms. There's going to be Allison preaching. There's going to be. It's Pentecost Sunday. We could continue on with the list. People are going to get healed. People are going to get saved. People are going to get set free. People are going to get encountered. Bring your friends. Your unsaved friends. And they can get baptized. This is a great event we got going on here. Anybody else? you, You want to throw something out there? Somebody's like, free food. (laughs) We need to do that one encounter night. Just have a food truck. You know? I vote tacos. Right? Nothing says glory like a taco truck in worship. (laughs) Truly. See? So honorable... um, you know, these, these five H's, they started out as our leadership culture. We really didn't intend on making it our church culture. It just sort of happened that way. Uh, we felt from the Lord that this was something that needed to be shared publicly with the entirety of the church. And so I wanted to share with you how we as leaders, people who are on staff here, have been talking about this topic of honor for a little bit, okay? So we are, we choose to be honorable towards everyone. 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 All right? Uh, No one is normal. No one is normal. Everyone is a treasure whom God loves, cherishes, enjoys, and adores. Everybody. And so we prefer one another no matter the cost. And then lastly, one of the things that we say is how we talk 
to one another matters a lot. The, the way we talk about one another, especially when that person is not in the room, matters a lot. Everyone can expect honest and graceful communication from us. And to be certain, gossip is never not dishonor. Let me say that again. Gossip is never not dishonor. A quick way to dishonor somebody is to gossip about them. Talk about them in a way that you would never talk about them if they were present. That's a dishonor. And so that's how we've been talking about the topic of honor for a while. And what I'd like to do today is I'd like to speak topically on honor a bit. And I want to talk about the way in which the Bible defines honor. Because honor is actually much more present and prevalent in the Bible than we might think. When you look at the word honor in the Bible, you'll see that the word honor has a double definition. It's both vertical and horizontal, like the cross. There's actually a number of words in the Bible that if you'll study them in their original language, you'll see that they are both vertical, they have to do with our relationship with God, and they are both horizontal, they have to do with our relationship with others. Another word like this is actually righteousness. Did you know that righteousness and justice are the exact same Hebrew words in the scripture? And they have to do both with our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with others. This is what righteousness looks like, right? It's, it looks like your love of neighbor. And this is how you can prove that you're actually righteous. If someone says, oh, I'm holy, well, how do you treat people? I'm not just looking at your prayer life. I'm looking at your work life, you know? And, and that matters because that's included in the definition. And honor is actually somewhat similar. Uh, let's first look at the vertical relationship that we have with God. Because when you, when you look at the Bible, this is the most simple definition I could come up with for honor. Simply put, the biblical definition of honor is respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, somebody. All right, respect. All right, respecting somebody is, is probably, uh, respecting God is one of the easiest ways to define uh, honor. But vertically, we and all of creation, that's, that's nature, that's the animals, we are called to honor, to respect, and to revere God as our creator. And one scripture we can look at to define honor is Psalm chapter 50, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says this, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the most high Call upon me, who is me? He's talking about himself, God. Call upon me in the day of your trouble. I shall rescue you and you will, everybody say it with me, honor me, right? And so this is a part of our calling as created human beings. We are called and expected by God to honor God in our lives, right? Now, let's look at the Hebrew word for honor real quick. This is a word that you may not actually expect. It is the word kabod. Have you ever heard that word before? Kabod, you know what it means? Glory. Glory, we like to talk about glory around here. We're worshipers, we're presence people. So we talk a lot about glory. It's the glory of God. God, show me your glory, right? We love stuff like this. I love stuff like this personally. Uh, but guess what kabod actually means, if you define it? It means heavy, weighty glory. That's pretty cool. Because a lot of times we ask to see the glory, don't we? We talk about how hungry we are for the glory. But we cannot forget that the glory is actually weighty. The glory is heavy. Are you sure you're ready to carry the glory of God? Because God's glory is weighty. It's heavy, right? And so whenever uh, the psalmist here in Psalm chapter 50 is talking about honoring God in that vertical relationship, he's talking about weight, which basically means this. To give God honor is to give God glory. To give God glory is to place weight 
upon God in your life. You're saying, God, you have weight in my life. You have a heavy value in my life. I will rearrange things in my world because I have a weight on my relationship with God and I have a value in my vertical relationship with Yahweh who we sang about this morning. And so I rearrange my schedule to honor God. I rearrange my Sunday morning because you know what? I'm honoring God. I rearrange my Sunday night on the 23rd for encounter night. You know why? Because I'm honoring God. I rearrange my Wednesday nights. Somebody say amen during the summer, particularly between June and July for Legacy College because I'm seeking to give God weight in my life. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know he's gonna be there. And I want to honor him, therefore I create space and put weight and I put value, I put honor, I put glory, I put kabod. Right, so that's what it looks like to honor God vertically. And you'll see this again, King David actually wrote a prophetic word about the Messiah in Psalm chapter eight, verse five. And you see this multiple times throughout scripture, but David said, you made him a little lower than the angels. Who's he prophesying about? Man, isn't that good? David said, you made him, Jesus, a little lower than the angels, meaning you robed him in flesh and you've crowned him with what? With glory and with? We're talking about honor today, church. He said, you took the Messiah, he's prophesying about Jesus. And uh, although, although, Although he is flesh, you have chosen father to crown him. Can you see the picture right now of, of, of God, the father placing a crown upon the head of Jesus and saying, I bestow this weight upon you. I bestow this glory upon you. I give you weight in the world. I give you weight in the kingdom. All of heaven is going to surround you. Right? So the father is placing a crown of glory and honor upon Jesus. Paul later quotes like, I mean, it's like a copy paste from, from, from Psalm eight and five into Hebrews two and seven. And he talks about Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of David. And he declares that Jesus in fact is wearing that crown of both glory, kabod, and honor that God has truly, you see the vertical thing happening here? That God has not only been honored by Jesus, but God honors the son who is Jesus and places upon his head glory and honor. Now, not only is Paul talking about Jesus, but Paul is talking about us because we receive the inheritance that Jesus paid for on the cross. Therefore, yes, we are expected to honor God vertically in our life, but guess what we receive by becoming born again believers? We receive that same vertical blessing from our father who is in heaven. And he says, I place upon your head a crown of glory and honor. I know you didn't come to church knowing this this morning, but upon your head in this very moment, if you confess Jesus is a crown, you are royalty, which is why the Bible calls you a saint. And you are wearing a crown of glory and it is heavy and you are clothed in it and it is splendor and it is God's honor over your life as his son or daughter. Doesn't that make you feel good? I'm wearing a crown right now. Come on, somebody just say that. I'm wearing a crown right now. Yeah. Woo! You are royalty. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but I want to tell you, you are royalty. You have been clothed and crowned with glory and with honor that came from your creator, God, right? That's why we see in the book of Revelation. Whenever there's all this worship happening and all these colors and there's this, you know, sea of chrysolite and road and gold and there's all this four living, it's getting weird. Right? But what do you see the 24 elders doing? Right? The crown that we have received, the crown that God has put on our life, this is how we worship. Only you are worthy. Honor, yes. glory, holy, right? It's like 
This is what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And that's, that's what worship looks like. That's, that's giving God glory. That's giving God honor. And, and, and I can tell you this, if you walk with God, people will honor you and people will, will, they'll bring you glory in a very real sense. They'll compliment you and encourage you. And a practice that I've made as like an itinerant, like guest speaker, when I go out to preach somewhere, like I always go back to the hotel and you know, it's always great when people say nice things and they encourage you, but I go back to the hotel and I just do it. Lord, not by might, not by power. But that happened by your spirit, Lord. And only you are worthy to receive the honor. I honor you. I honor you. I honor you. We practice and maintain that vertical relationship of honor towards God in many ways. I'm not gonna give you all the scriptures because I figured it would slow the sermon down significantly. But let me show you a few ways that we honor God, right? So one of the ways that we honor God is by worshiping him. Now we all know that and I'm talking about that now, but another way we honor God is by obeying him. God has weight in my life, does he? So how do you respond when he tells you to do something? That's actually an expression of your worship when you honor God and you give his words weight in your life and you say, yes. I will do that, Lord. Yes, he is your best friend, but he is also your Lord. And so one of the ways that you worship him and you honor him is by when he speaks, you stand at the ready. Yep, I'm looking to obey you, God. This is one way that we honor God, we obey God. Uh, we also honor God with our bodies. And that could be a sermon all by itself right there. But that's one of the ways vertically that we honor God is how we steward our bodies. Also, we honor God with our money and with our possessions. That's why when we get, whenever we get up, we don't say, okay, I'm up here to take up. I'm going to take your tithe and your offering. Well, we're not taking anything from you. It's like, hey, we're, we're here to worship. You hear us say that? We're going to continue worshiping through our tithe and our offering. Because in a sense, sure, you're giving it to your local church, the storehouse, as the Bible calls it. But in a greater sense, you're honoring God with what he's blessed you with. And that's, that's, the, that's why we tithe. Uh, we honor God by caring for other people, particularly people we don't like. Right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We'll prove it. Prove it. How do you prove your love for God? It's your love for others. You. Righteousness, justice. So same words, by the way, same words. Glory, honor. Oh, I really love people. Prove it. Love for other is proven by love for enemy. I love people. How are you doing with those people who don't look like you, don't act like you, not from the same place you're from? Didn't vote like you voted. Dang. Right? Honor. Honor. You give them weight. You give them value. You dignify them. They are worthy of being honored. And let me tell you, God is very serious about you honoring him and honoring others. He's very serious about it. In fact, his main man, Moses, was kept out of his inheritance, which was the promised land. You know why? Because of a lack of honor. You knew it was coming. Because of a lack of honor. Look at Exodus chapter 20. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, he included his brother, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of your nation, your friends, your community, the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. Your dishonor could affect someone else's inheritance. 
And that's an important thing for us to understand. God not only invites us to honor him, but he also expects us to honor him and he expects us to honor others. This is not really an option if you're endeavoring to be a kingdom citizen. It's not an option whether or not you're gonna honor other people or love other people, because if you say that you love God, James says, but you don't love people, you're saying, I love God. Yeah, but you can't see him. This is what James says, right? But you're saying you love people, but you really don't and you can see them. Then you are a liar. This is just the Bible. And God is not in you. These are hard things, but this is why I think the Bible is so important. Because in the midst of a culture that is so sensitive and so willing to cancel anybody that offends them, I don't think we have to be offensive as Christians. The word of God is offensive enough. Just say scripture. Just say scripture. See how many DMs you get. I don't even, you know that like request line? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you got primary, general, and like request. I don't even go in there. It's like the Middle East. <laughs> A lot of warfare in there. A lot of opportunities to honor. So let's talk a little bit about that horizontal expectation that God has of us to honor other people. We as human beings made in the very image of God are also called not only to honor God vertically, but we are called and commanded to honor people horizontally, to honor other image bearers. The very first person that you are called to honor and to bring respect to is your mama and your daddy. That's controversial enough right there. But that's in the Ten Commandments, and it still is true. You're supposed to honor your mom and dad. Did you notice that God didn't check with you first to ensure that your mom or your dad had not sinned against you? No, 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 no. Nothing that they do is going to affect this command. Honor them. If you choose to, you'll have a long life. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm tired of hitting reset every single generation. I love the fact that we have a church that values spiritual moms and dads, but who will be the generation that says, no, no, I don't just value spiritual moms and dads. I value my natural mom and dad. I, I wanna do life with my parents. I Am I on a soapbox today? But like legit, we need to get better at honoring our parents. Millennials. <laughs> Do better. <laughs> I don't know who needs to hear this, but the world does not revolve around you. Have grace for your parents. I've become a dad recently. I mean, I've been a dad for a while, but as a pastor, I, I'm like dadding it up these days. And um, <laughs> I might need to wear like some socks and sandals next Sunday. Yeah, I know, I already do that, that's true. That's true. Uh, not only are we called to honor our parents, but we're also called to honor other people. We're also called especially to honor other believers. It's true. Look at Romans. This is Paul. Uh, Romans 12. Let love be genuine. Stop faking it. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. How do you treat your brother? How do you treat your sister? How do you treat people you're in covenant with? Treat each other like that. And then here's the last part. Outdo one another in showing honor. That would preach today, wouldn't it, church? Oh, you guys like to compare and compete. Do this. 
Compare and compete in this way. Try to outdo that guy in showing more honor to him than he does to you. Race to the bottom. Race to the smelly feet to see who can wash each other's feet the fastest. Yeah. One, 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 uh, a friend of mine in Texas, uh, you know how people have been talking about a recession for years. And we used to jokingly say, we ain't in a recession. We're in a blessed session. We're going to see who can bless each other the most, you know? And so we would always like save the best seat at a restaurant or we would sneakily go and get the tab and pay for it. If someone ever commented on the other person's tie, the rule was you had to take it off and give it to them. That's right. I used to wear ties to church every single Sunday. Uh, Whitney inspired me for suit Sunday. So we might have to bring that back. Glory and honor. So when you look at it in the New Testament, though, uh, obviously it's written in Greek, so it's a different word. It's spelled, it looks like time, uh, but it's actually, it, it sounds like this, time, right? Time is what it means to honor, outdo one another in showing honor. And I really love the Greek definition for honor. It is super cool, which is to perceive the right value. To perceive the right value. So in order to honor somebody, you've got to perceive their value appropriately. To honor somebody biblically, you've got to get some understanding. You've got to get some revelation about their value. So what, what are they worth? You ever thought about that? Because if you can capture that, the Bible says you're able to honor that person appropriately. Which I think is a really, really powerful definition because when Paul says he's crowned the son of man with glory and honor, he's using the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word kabod, weighty, heavy. Then he starts talking about time and doxa. That's, how he, those are the, that's the other Greek word for glory, by the way. Uh, which is where he's like, oh, so if you're going to put weight and, and, and you're going to put glory on somebody, then, then you're going to time, you're going to value them appropriately, and you're going to doxa, uh, put glory upon them. And one word for time is ornamentation. I don't know if you guys are getting this, but this is super cool. So when you honor somebody, what are you doing? You're putting a crown on their head of glory. I just want to honor you. It's heavy. You're worthy of it because I perceive your value rightly. And then ornamentation, I dress you up. I mean, it's like my daughter, Remy, watching Frozen. Like, bippity boppity boop. You know what I mean? Like, but that's what it looks like in the spirit when you honor someone appropriately and biblically in the natural. Like when you come to somebody, you're like, I'm gonna honor you right now. What's going down in the spirit is you're placing a crown on their head. It's heavy, it's weighty, it's valuable. You're saying you have weight in my world and you're worthy of my respect because you're an image bearer. Let me dress you up. I see you're wearing those clothes called depression. Let me give you a change of clothes. Here's some new clothes. It's called glory. It's called honor. It's called love. It's called respect. It's called blessing. It's called affection and affirmation. And I'm not waiting on you to earn it because Jesus already said you're worthy of it. So I'm not checking your resume before I figure out if I should honor you or not. I'm coming to you with the crown. Who can I honor today? I'm in a blessed session. <laughs> Who can I honor today? Who can I go show some love to? Who can I go and show some kindness to? Who, who is it that's feeling a little dishonored right now? How can I go rewrite their history and speak a word of life over, over their heart right now? I'm looking to honor people in my life. Can somebody just say that this morning? I'm looking to honor people in my life, not dishonor them. I'm looking to honor people. I want to be a fountain of honor. I want people to want to be around me because they're thinking at some point he's going to turn and he's going to honor me. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little exposed today. I, I'm not feeling like I'm, I'm wearing the right thing. Oh, let me dress you up. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you're just looking for people, you know, I always wanted to be in fashion. I am in the spirit. Let me love on you a little bit. Let me tell you 
you're amazing. You know, one of the ways I do this practically and also scare people is I look them in the eyes and people, this gets on their nerves. Some of you guys have experienced this for me. I'm very intent. And they're like, bro, are you okay? I don't, I'm sorry I do that. I've actually talked to my counselor about it because I'm trying to get it under control. Seriously, because I don't want to scare anybody. But like, I'm just like, man, you're, you're, I'm looking for the gold, man. I'm serious. Because I really think everybody's awesome until they prove that they're not. Call it my disposition. I'm sorry. I just think every Christian is automatically amazing. This is how I got into trouble as a new Christian. I was single and I'd be like, sister. And I, you are awesome. And my pastor was like, bro, you can't do that. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, they're a Christian. Like, he's like, that ain't how this works, my guy. <laughs> I, I get your heart, but that ain't, you can't do that. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I honor people a little too aggressively. But I want to be a blessing to you. And I think that we should all want to be a blessing to one another if we are to do what Paul asked us to do, which is to outdo one another in showing honor. We should all be racing to the bottom, looking for opportunities to serve each other. And horizontal honor, this is something that God commands us to do, but not something that we're always the best at. Would you guys, would you guys agree? And I think one of the reasons is because of this word, honor, teammate, right? Perceiving the right value is something that we are notoriously pretty terrible at. I mean, think about it. How bad are you at knowing how much something is worth? We live in Nashville. Check the real estate prices. You're terrible, right? Unless you are a real estate agent. I mean, I look at what houses cost around here and I'm confused. I'm like, oh, I can get a soapbox for three quarters of a million dollars. <laughs> Seems like a good deal to me. <laughs> no, right? We're not good at that. And, and I, I, was, I was reading that definition and it really stood out to me this week. I'm like, huh, okay, valuing someone or something appropriately is what brings it honor. And uh, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but I used to collect basketball cards. Any other card collectors in here? Okay, four people. Uh, how about Pogs or Pokemon or... Did you collect anything? Steaks? Stamps. It's like steaks. That's, that's the kind of collection I'm here for. <laughs> okay, then. That was my wife, by the way, as well. So I was like, hey. I used to collect basketball cards. And uh, I don't know if you guys did this, if you traded Pokemon or whatever, but we would get together, you know, slumber party, whatever you call it, uh, overnight party. I don't know. Did dudes do slumber? Dudes don't do slumber parties. We're too cool for that. Um, it's a hangout with my bros. And, um, and so we'd get together and uh, we would trade basketball cards. Did anybody else do this as a kid? Trade basketball cards? And what was the question that was always asked about the card you presented for trade? What's it worth? You guys remember this? Anybody do this except for me? What's it worth? What's it worth, right? And then you'd get this thing called a Beckett. Anybody remember this? It was a book that would tell you how much a card is worth. And you could look it up and it would say, that card is worth $12. Uh, and then it'd have an arrow up or down, but it's going up, which would increase its trade value, right? What's it worth? Well, this is worth $18 and it's going up. And your friend would be like, I got to get me that card because obviously this thing is very, very valuable, right? So I was thinking about this this week when I looked at, um, when I looked at that Greek word "teme" for to value somebody, uh, value somebody or something appropriately. And uh, so I was thinking about my basketball card collection and, and I remembered something that my dad would always say to me every time I'd get a new basketball card, which was, um, uh, what's it worth, son? Dad, 
$250. And, and he would say this, sell it. To which I was always offended. How dare you ask me to sell you this card? It's worth, or, or sell this card, it's worth 250 bucks and it's going up. Right? So it's very, very valuable. There's no way I'm going to sell it. And my dad said this phrase to me over and over again throughout the entirety of my childhood, and it still haunts me as an adult. I have trauma, which is this. The value of anything, something is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. He said it to me all the time. So anytime I'd get a new card, he'd say, sell it. And I'd be like, dad, I ain't selling it. He'd say, hey, hey, son, remember, something is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And uh, so uh, for the sake of a sermon illustration, I found this basketball card. It, it, it's been in my gym downstairs at my house, it, it, which is slash office. And it sits on my bookshelf because it's a card of the undisputed goat, Brian and Ben. <laughs> of the undisputed goat, uh, MJ. <clears throat> and so my youth pastor gave me this card when I was like 13. And he gave it to me and I said, what's it worth? Because obviously he had honored it. See this plastic that it's in? You guys getting anything out of this illustration? You're like all bored now? Where's he going with this? But right, to give respect to something, right? So he's put it in this little encasement here, he's honored it a lot. And he was like, this is worth $500. And I was like, $500, are you serious? And I was like, let's look it up in the Beckett. We looked it up in the Beckett, guess how much it was worth? $500 and it's going up. So I took it home. I was like, dad, check out what Pastor Bruce gave me. He's like, what's it worth? I'm like, $500, sell it. Dad, I'm not selling this. He said, well, remember something is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And I was like, dad, that's really messed up. I can't believe that you would treat me like that, you know, because this is obviously a very important basketball card of the greatest player that's ever played the game. Why would you do that? You know, so I decided to look it up this week because I wanted to prove to you guys that it was extremely valuable and it would be a great sermon illustration. Guess how much it's worth? $5. Which is <laughs> a real bummer because... I was hoping for like couple thousand, you know, because I was trying to honor the word of my father, you know, like the Bible says, and then go and sell it to pay for like a Disney vacation or something. And, you know, I realized, man, I have severely overvalued this card for like a decade plus. And isn't that what we do all the time with people and not just things? Like we severely overvalue people. We severely overvalue things. This is why The Price is Right is such a good game show, because we're notoriously terrible at discerning the value of something, right? I, I even looked up, I was like, what are some of the most expensive shoes? I want to show you guys a picture of some of the most expensive shoes. This is the, this is the uh, Nike uh, Air Mags, the Back to the Future joints, you know, the M Marty McFly's. And uh, this is size seven, which is much smaller than I could ever wear. And they are worth $100,000. You guys see that? $100,000 for these shoes. Are you serious? Well, I hate to tell the seller who is selling them for $100,000, but, you know, in the wisdom of Jeff Phillips, my bro, something is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. And it looks to me like the highest bid is $40,000. So it's a possibility that someone, at least the seller here, is notoriously bad, just like most of us, at perceiving the appropriate value of the thing that he has. But isn't that always the case? Like the stuff that we have, we overvalue. And then the stuff that somebody else has, we undervalue. And we do, and we do that all the time. We do that with ourselves as well, don't we? How, you know, how many people undervalue themselves? You don't have to raise your hand. You know, I undervalue myself. So when somebody insults me, I take it on the chin. I'm like, you know what? I kind of deserve that. I'm not really that valuable. And then we have others that really overvalue themselves. And so they're always the most important person of every single room they ever walk into. And then we also tend to undervalue other people, overvalue other people. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. You've ever been to like a conference or a business setting or a church conference if you're a ministry person and you run into networking Ned? Yeah. <laughs> who never actually looks at you in the eye and they're always looking for the most important person in the room? Oh, it's great. How's your church? Yeah. 
Oh, that's great. Oh, cool. Yeah, see ya. Right? Und constantly like undervaluing the person, but then at the same time, you're overvaluing this other person. And we tend to do this with people who are in a position to bless us, which is not actually honor, it's manipulation. Oh, no, I just want to honor this person. No, you want something from that person. Uh, but unfortunately, this is the way that the culture teaches us to do honor. It is on the basis of status. It's on the basis of position. And it's on the basis of wealth. And so that's how we honor people. But that's not the way in which God honors his people. That's not the way in which he calls us to honor him. And it's also not the way in which we are called to honor other people. As it turns out, human beings are not the best at perceiving the appropriate value for themselves, and they're not the best at perceiving the appropriate value for other people. So just remember my dad's words, you know, something is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. Is that some good dad wisdom for you today? Some good dad's wisdom. You know, but in order to really honor somebody appropriately, you have to perceive their value accurately. That's the way that we honor people. You, you perceive their value accurately. And, and we make this mistake so often. And that's because we live in a world uh, where we don't see stories, we see statistics. We don't see individuals, we see crowds. Right? We don't think about individual people. We just often make blanket statements about entire groups of people. Therefore, we undervalue them. We don't honor them appropriately. And it's really hard to value somebody that you haven't had the opportunity to get up close and personal with. I mean, I heard a pastor once say, an enemy is usually somebody whose story you just haven't heard yet. But if we would take the time to sit down, look them in the face and have a meal with them, we'll recognize that they're also humans, just like us, dependent on water, just like us, dependent on food, just like us, dependent upon God, just like us. But Romans uh, chapter 12, I'll go back to this and revisit it. Paul saying, let love be genuine, stop faking it, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, and so what does it mean to honor? To give weight to somebody, to respect somebody, uh, to, to honor people despite their position, despite their status, despite their wealth. Just as we're called to honor God vertically, just as much we're called to honor others horizontally. So I'm gonna give you guys like really, I'm, and I'm serious about this, four quick points. How many of you guys are hot? Okay, it's just me, I'm in the light, okay. I'm like, man, I'm hot. I'm gonna start preaching with a hanky. So deal with that. Um, throwing it and a tie. Um, yeah, so I want to give you guys four quick points on like how to honor people. Is that cool? Yeah. Move to it quick. All right. So number one is see every person as an image bearer of God. Every single human being that you look upon looks a little bit like God. I'll prove it to you. Genesis chapter one, verse 26, right? Let us make man in our image. God created them male and female in my likeness, God said, right? That's what the Bible says, after our likeness. That means the person sitting next to you right now is an image bearer that looks a little bit like him. Look at him right in the eye. Come on, real quick, just real quick. And if you're married, I'm doing you a favor. Look at him right in the eye. And let me ask you a question. Do you see him? If you're dating or engaged, you're really welcome. But isn't this a good question? Do you see him? When you look into the eyes of other human beings, do you see a reflection of God? Do you know God well enough to recognize when you do, when you don't? Unfortunately, we look at human beings oftentimes like dollar signs. We look at them like commodities. We look at them like opportunities. We look at them like, oh, that's a come up. I'm going to use that person. They're going to bless me. They're going to help me. They're going to get me followers. They're going to get me money. They're going to get me invitations. They're going to get me preaching dates. You know, as ministers, we look at people like testimonies. You know, if I can get them saved, then I can share the story about what happened on Facebook. And so many people will like me and they'll know I'm anointed. Dude, they are an image bearer. This is, this is probably one of the hardest things that I had to learn as a missionary. Like whenever I moved to Mozambique, one of the hardest things I had to learn was like, oh, people are not testimonies, they're humans. Yeah. 
They have the same exact needs I have. The same exact ones. Hungry, thirsty, tired, family, relationships, all the same stuff, right? I, I remember like for a long time when I, when I went to Mozambique, it was like nothing was happening for me. Everybody I prayed for, nobody got healed. And there were all these kids from all over the world. They were seeing all these miracles and testimonies and healings. And they were talking about it and testifying. And I had nothing to testify about. And I was getting angry at God. And this was the lesson that I had to learn. Oh, you're perceiving people completely wrongly. You're seeing people as like a ministry goal. You're trying to use a story of a testimony to get street cred in the church. That's not why I heal people. <laughs> I don't heal people so that your reputation can be improved. I don't heal people so that you can get attention. And you know what's unfortunate is that I actually stopped praying for the sick in that season, which is somewhat unfortunate, but I think God used it. Because I no longer had faith that anything I could pray would heal anybody. And I came to a point of like, if, it, if it's not by the Spirit, they just, they don't get touched. What was unfortunate is that I needed to have that experience to realize that no matter how hard I prayed, it was ultimately up to Him on whether or not they got healed. I prayed for them and they got healed, look at me flex. And, and, and I'll tell you guys a story because, you know, we don't have anything else to do, right? Um, but, you know, we, we look with, uh, you know, Heidi one time, we go out to the bush bush. That's what we call it because it's deep, far away. And uh, I remember one time we got stopped by the cops and they were like, you can't go any further. You got missionaries. You got people with, you know, international passports. We're not going to let you go any further. It's not super safe. We're not going to be responsible if you die. And uh, that's always a fun thing to hear on your way to a, a, a revival service, isn't it? And so we got out and, and um, you know, some of the other students, they were looking for people to pray for, or preach to or whatever, you know, doing the things that we'd been taught to do. And I was experiencing this, so I had no expectation that God was going to do anything through me. And I had resolved, man, you know what? I just want to love people. I'm just going to go out and love them. Isn't that pretty amazing that we can actually choose to love people and that's the most supernatural force in the entire universe it really is i mean look at first corinthians 13 right paul's like i could do all these things but if i don't love them then i'm just making an obnoxious sound and there was a little girl with special needs and like some of these other kids were picking on her and i just thought man that seems like a great kid to go love and i just went over there and just kind of hung out with her a little bit and she doesn't speak English and I didn't speak Makua but I knew like a couple of words and I know how to I know how to say come Holy Spirit that's a, that's a cool word isn't it and and so and so we were just kind of hanging out and 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 I shared some cookies and, and we were just chatting and and these kids have been chasing her around and she came over and like I don't know why she felt comfortable with me but she kind of just leaned back on me you know, I'll just kind of stand there. She just like leaned back on me and she pulled my hands down like this. And, and my hands were kind of like hugging her like this across her chest. And I could hear her heart beating like, because she was like running around, you know. And, uh, and I, I wasn't really thinking anything, but the voice of the Lord, man, came so clearly through the clouds. And he said, you feel her heartbeat? Yeah. He said, that's the way my heart beats for just this one. And even though you'll never come back here, and even though you wouldn't know how to come back here, even if you tried, this invisible person with special needs that you won't even probably know how to get back to is this important to me. This little one wearing a crown of honor. This little one is wearing a crown of glory. This little one is worthy of the trip. This little one is worthy of the seven and a half thousand dollars that you had to raise to be over here for 93 days. You, you, you guys get what I'm saying? She's an image bearer. And you think about people with special needs. You think about the elderly. You think about people who are invisible to our culture. Those are the people, if we could see them in the spirit, that Jesus is. Kings. Queens. Princes. Princesses. Could that maybe change the way that we see other people? 
particularly people who are not like us, particularly people who don't look like us, particularly people who don't dress like us, particularly people who don't vote like us. That would be revolutionary. Guess what? That's the Bible. All right, let's move on. Almost done. Number two, give way to everyone despite or in spite of their position, status, or wealth. Write this down. James 2, verse 1 through 9. That's your homework. Number three, intentionally honor those that are easy to take for granted. Parents, spouses, kids, elders, and leaders. And one of the things about familiarity is it'll often cause us to take people who God has asked us to honor for granted. We get used to them, don't we? We get used to our parents. Ah, it's just my mom. Your mom birthed you. You ever seen a birth? I can promise you, she is worthy of honor. I've seen three in two different ways. Meaning natural and C-section, if you're confused by that. And <laughs> worthy. Mothers are worthy. I've seen four, actually. One when I was not a Christian. Forgot about that one. Jesus blessed that little boy. Our parents, our spouses... Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she honors, that's what that word is there, her husband. You know, your wife will have no problem respecting you if you'll love her as well as you love yourself. Love her as well as you love God. Endeavor. Kids, how about your kids? How often do we look at our kids? We're like, man, a little jerk. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I genuinely thought one night, like Remy was going crazy. I remember telling Allison, I was like, we will have no more kids. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. No more. Oh, <laughs> well, we have another. All the parents in here said, hey, man, you know what I'm talking about. It's like 4 a.m. You're like, I will throw this kid out the window. <laughs> you like start having these weird thoughts. I remember one time I was like, I'm going to cut the water on all cold and hold her under it. How about your elders? You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. You shall fear your God, for I am the Lord. Not honoring elders is a lack of fear of the Lord. Your leaders, you honor your leaders. I'm not fishing for any compliments, but you honor your leaders. It's so easy to get familiar with your leaders. Your worship leaders, your, your people who minister to you, people who pray for you, people who cover you. People who ask you how you're doing, text you. Hey, what's going on, man? Your friends that, that are spiritual leaders in your life. All right, last point, number four. Adorn others with words of honor, dignity, and respect. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, or we might say dressing up, right? Dress them up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who... Here, this is what you're called to do. Every single person is deserving of honor. Amen? Have we established that? No matter who it is that you don't feel is deserving of honor, God included them in the deal. Every single person is worthy of honor. You know, I really feel, and I, I thought this this week, man, if we could be Christians that get back to the Bible and really do everything that we can to practice and to live out what God speaks to us through his word, then some of the cultural storm and the doctrines of men that seek to toss us to and fro won't have an effect on us. You know, if you pull up YouTube or social media, you're gonna see a terrible, atrocious story about racism. You're gonna see uh, a debate. You're gonna see something along the lines of dishonor 
Can I go there just for a minute as we close? You're going to see something along the lines of dishonor. That is not what we are called to do. We are not called to tear people down with our words. We're not called to malign people. We're not called to defame their character. We're not called to destroy them and rip their clothes apart. We're called to adorn them and dress them up and honor them and put a crown upon their head and speak words of life so that when they hear it, they receive grace. And these are answers for a lot of our culture's problems. Honor people, racing to the bottom, loving people, honoring them. And you know, um, as my dad always said, um, something is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. You remember that? Got my card. It's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. So what did Jesus pay for that person you don't like. Because it's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And what did Jesus pay? They're only worth, they're only worth what somebody was willing to pay for it. What did Jesus pay for that person? All this, all this misappropriating people's value, misperceiving, they're not really worth that much. They're not really valuable. Okay, are you sure? What did Jesus pay for? How much did Jesus pay for that person? How much did Jesus pay for a parent, spouse, kid? How much did Jesus pay for an enemy, somebody you hate, somebody you don't like, somebody who stabbed you in the back? What Jesus paid on the cross determined the value of the people that he purchased. Let me say it one more time. What Jesus paid on the cross determined the value of what he purchased. You're wearing a crown. Our job is to leave here and make sure that other people realize they're also image bearers and they're wearing a crown. And where the enemies tried to steal it, put it back on their head. And where the enemies tried to undress and, and, and rip their clothes off, you're, we're called to adorn them back. Ornamentation, honor, grace, blessing, and love. Is that good? Let's stand up. We'll pray. I know some of you guys were full after worship, but you weren't dessertful. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. You go to a restaurant, you just, you finish everything. You're like, not another bite. <laughs> Waiter's like, dessert menu? You're like, well, have a look. That was today. I'm happy to be in a church that values the presence of Jesus values fellowship with one another and that is ready to take another step into honoring people more can we agree and just declare all together we will honor people better we will honor people because they're image bearers we will honor people because jesus died for them we will honor people because they are worthy of it lord i just pray right now against hatred Lord, I pray right now against the spirit of hatred that has tried to creep into the hearts of your people, that the enemies tried to work through culture to say that it's absolutely acceptable to hate people. Lord, we rebuke hatred today in Jesus' name. We declare, we declare that you are not hateful. We come back to the truth. God is not hateful. God is love. And that does not mean that love is God, but that God is love and he is not hateful. Lord, we just rebuke hatred. If anybody in here, if you're struggling like with hatred for somebody, I just, I just want to declare that today is the day of deliverance in Jesus' name. If you're, if you're holding on to unforgiveness to the point where it's causing you physical pain, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but I just feel like there might be somebody in here, you're having, maybe you're diagnosed with hypertension and you're having like some heart palpitations and tension in your chest. Um, and it happens often when you dwell and you think about your hatred for somebody because of how they've sinned against you. And I just wanna declare a release 
of that tension today and I speak healing into your heart. I declare that the hand of the Lord is not too short to save you and that the blood of Jesus is against every lie of the enemy. And you are not what has been done to you. You are what Jesus has done for you. I say again, you are not what has been done to you. That is not your identity. You are what Jesus has done for you. That is your identity through the cross. So just release it right now. And if that's you, you can just, with your eyes closed, you can just say under your breath, in your heart, in your mind, Jesus, I release this to you right now. Anybody struggling with, with um, consistently dishonoring other people? I just want to de declare that today that the sword of the Lord is cutting it off. And I, I want to invite you to make a choice to stop. If you're struggling in here with dishonoring other people through your words, could you just take a moment right now? We're, we're closing, but could you take a moment right now with your eyes closed and in your heart, just ask God to forgive you for dishonoring others with your words. If you're constantly making fun of the president, stop. If you constantly got dishonor for politicians, news anchors, people on Instagram, people on social media, stop. We are not a community that is built on dishonor, but on respect and on love and on blessing and on grace. And we wanna adorn people with grace. If you can't stand liberals, repent. If you can't stand conservatives, repent. This is the leaven of Herod and it's the leaven of the Pharisee that Jesus warns us against. A little leaven, the Lord said, will leaven the whole lump. Get it out, get it out. That's the political spirit. We just declare in Jesus name, the political spirit will have no influence on how we honor people by the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The religious spirit will have no influence on how we honor people because the Holy Spirit causes us to honor people in our life. If, if you're wrestling with prejudice or racism, I want you to take an opportunity right now just to repent. And if you feel like the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart for that, then just repent. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me, heal me, help me. Holy Spirit, heal me by the blood of Jesus in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the words of Paul that says there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither male nor fe female, Jew nor Greek, Lord. Help us to understand that you have made us one in Christ Jesus. We're not, we're not valuing each other on the basis of color. We're not valuing each other on the basis of wealth. We're not valuing each other on the basis of net worth. We're not valuing each other on the basis of Instagram followers. We're not valuing each other on the basis of anything except for the blood of Jesus rest upon my brothers and sisters. The crown of heaven rest upon my brothers and sisters. Value, worth, and dignity has been bestowed to them through the cross. And so I choose today to honor them. And I declare that all hatred, that all malice, that all envy, that all jealousy vacates my spirit now in Jesus' name. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Listen, I, I know, I realize I'm praying into some heavy stuff right now, but we will not be tossed to and fro by the waves of doctrine that the world has to offer. We declare that we will anchor down on the word of God, in the Holy Spirit, trusting in the person of Jesus, walking in the sacrificial love of the cross. We are Christians. And we declare, Lord, that you define us and you bring about our identity and we choose to honor other people. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter if they're young, old, rich, poor, does not matter. We choose to honor. We choose to honor. Could we, I'm just a moment longer. If, if you are caught up in a cycle of dishonor, can you just keep your head bowed for a moment, your eyes closed, can you just repent? Come on, repentance is what precedes transformation. Come on, can you just repent? Seriously, I, I'm, I, I wanna ask you, I feel like the Holy Spirit's given us a genuine opportunity for our judgmentalism, for our hatred, for our prejudice. Come on, just take a moment, just say, God, I, I'm sorry, forgive us. We're not doing dishonor. And let's leave here different than we came in. Come on, this whole day has been marked by 
the reality that we're doing some business in the spirit. We're, we're, some people think this is just church. This ain't just church. This is war. We're declaring war on hatred. We're declaring war. We're declaring war on hatred. We're declaring war on malice. We're declaring war on greed. We're declaring war on uh, racism, on murder, on envy. We're declaring war on these things. This is not, none of this is in the kingdom of heaven and therefore we declare it will not be within the family of this church. May we outdo one another in showing honor. May we outdo one another in showing honor. May we outdo one another in showing honor. We receive the word of God today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.